Welcome to the Seller Roundtable e-commerce coaching and business strategies with Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Andy Arnott and Amy Wees. And this is Seller Roundtable number 22, and we are super excited and privileged to have Stephen Black on today to uh, talk to us about uh, marketing hacks for Amazon. And uh, he's also going to give us uh, probably a little bit of backstory. And, uh, and we're going we're gonna to geek out and, and uh, go deep on marketing, which is one of my favorite uh, subjects. So yes. welcome, Stephen, and thanks so much for, uh, for being on today. Thank you so much, Andy. I've, I've been looking forward to, to speaking on the podcast and helping people and, and just sharing what's in my head, just like every other day. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So Stephen, welcome. Um, I've been in your Facebook group for quite a while here and you know, it was actually recommended in other groups and I heard about you and I'm like, how did I not know about this guy earlier? And you just give out some great, uh, some great information and uh, you're not afraid to share. And those are the kind of folks that we love to have on our podcast. So thank you so much for being here. Well, thank, and, you, thank you. And I would love to, you know, just tell us about you, where you're born, where you live now, kind of what, what brings us to this podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the very short version. Um, uh, started life in Tampa, Florida, uh, middle teenage years, went to Atlanta, Georgia. And for the last 13 years, I've been in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I have been in marketing of some form or fashion for about 12, 13 years now, something silly like that. Um, yeah, it's about that long now that I think about it. Um, Started out, you know, with, with sales jobs and, you know, worked for a couple of the people, went into, um, I had my own brick and mortar uh, businesses, learned how to market through that. And um, what brought us here today, uh, a few years ago, I started researching uh, more of the Amazon model. I've always been a marketer, always been a marketer, is, is, you know, for, for a long time, understood you know, copywriting and, and, you know, getting people in the door and converting them and blah, blah, blah. But Amazon caught my eye about three years ago because I was looking for a way to get out of, of the brick and mortar stuff. Right. Um, and I started, uh, the first thing I, I heard about it was the wholesale model, uh, where people, you know, would, would buy into a uh, distributor or from the brand themselves and sell those products as one of the sellers on Amazon. Um, I don't do that now, um, but I had an opportunity to to renew my lease or take the jump and uh, go deep with what I was doing. And I had gotten into lead generation for some of the people that were my regular clients, my brick and mortars. And uh, I had gotten into e-com outside of Amazon. I've been doing that a couple of years. But then, you know, Amazon uh, came calling and... Um, Shout out to Matt Loberstein. I talked to him. Uh, he's, he's a big YouTube Amazon guy. And uh, I, I spoke with him. I was like, yo, tell me about Amazon, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, you're already a marketer. You understand funnels and everything else. So you're like eight miles ahead of everybody else. And what was interesting is over the years that I've been looking into Amazon, everybody that I've ever seen on Amazon that is around Amazon or talks about Amazon, that's the point. They talk about Amazon. That's it. It's everything is about the Amazon platform or, you know, better ways to run on platform ads and blah, blah. I'm like, no, 
you guys are missing the boat. You haven't even started yet. You're not even in kindergarten. You poor things. I know y'all are making a ton of money, but good Lord. And so I just started opening my mouth because that's what I could help with. And my group uh, is, it's almost 11 months old. Uh, and we have over 6,000 members. I have never advertised it once. Never once. And honestly, I, I, did, I only started it as, as a place to bookmark my marketing thoughts so I could share them with other people because I get asked all the time. Um, you know, I, I, I travel around, I speak. Uh, I'm going next month to do an international speakership with one of the biggest Facebook ads uh, specialists in the world. He's actually an advisor to Facebook UK. And he reached out to me and said, dude, I want you at my private mastermind with these people. And I want you to talk all about your content stuff and you know everything you do like that. I want you to bring that stuff. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, so I just, all I do is, you know, I share. And I get asked a lot, why do I share so much? Well, two reasons. Number one, that's the free stuff, as far as I'm concerned. I have a whole lot behind, behind the curtain over here. <laughs> you know, Wizard of Oz kind of stuff. But it helps people out a lot. Uh, and to tail on that, the second reason, everything that I share to drive a conversation, anything that I can drop, people are like, oh, that's gold. No, no, no. That's me dropping it on your head to see what pops back out at me and puts me in a different perspective to try to help problem solve. And the more I sharpen that sword, the more I get better at what I'm doing. So easy stuff there. Awesome. Well, and you didn't mention didn't. that, uh, you, you didn't mention about college. Uh, what happened with college, Steven? I don't believe in college. I don't Tell believe in college. That. I'm very sorry. Um, <laughs> oh boy, here we go. I dropped out <laughs> of college after two semesters um, because I knew that I wanted to do my own thing and um, college does not teach you how to monetize your own creativity, even marketing degrees. They teach you to take orders. They teach you that if you have this GPA and this piece of paper from this place, you can get a job, which is the middle-class trap that now we're all Amazon sellers trying to escape and you get debt that you can't ever get rid of that like, I was like, no, 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 no. And my other beef with it, as I quickly realized is why at 18 years old, are they trying to give me a hundred thousand dollars that I can never erase from myself without any knowledge of forecasting the economic viability of my spend here? That's something nobody talks about. Like, what am I going to need to be able to do with this? to pay this back and live the life I want. If that doesn't match up, why am I there? Yeah. So off I went to do that, to do other things, just what it was. And I, I love that. And I, it, I, it cost we, me a lot of personal stuff over the years, my ambition, but I got hungry. It was fun. <laughs> Seems like you're doing okay now. So I, I think, I think we'll be all right without, without <laughs> a college degree. Right. Yeah. So, you said one other thing when we were talking about this previously, you talked about something else you did for 20 years. Yeah. Okay. All right. So everybody that's, that's heard the story. I was a professional ballroom dancer for about 20 years. I had, and it's honestly, it's honestly what helped me cut my teeth on my model of marketing because I didn't have this endless sea of internet clients that could buy from me on my store or my Amazon listing all over the world. 
like we have now. I had a local market of maybe a few hundred people, okay? And so I had to survive, I had to quickly figure out how to get those people to buy over and over and over and over again. And that's not because they're looking for a better staccato action in their tango. And it's not because they want, you know, a smoother timing of their, 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 their Cuban motion in their rumba. It wasn't about that. So I, I quickly figured out how I was going to teach every lesson. And I figured that every lesson was the advertisement to then get them to buy more lessons. They were just paying me to consume the content and every single lesson was set up and the, my methodology of teaching, I reworked the way I, that I taught things. It was set up so that I could put them in the hero's position. They weren't coming in again to learn to dance. They were coming in because something about the activity of dancing in their mind took them to who they wanted to be. If I learned this skill, if it's this magic bullet, if I do this, I will become who I covet to be. If it's, if it's, you know, the, 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 the heavier girl's been heavy all of her life, all she wants is not to lose weight. She wants to not be ignored by her peers. She wants to feel like she moves more smoothly. She wants to feel like she belongs to something that she admires. And she's, because of, you know, whatever her own mind has, has, has put her in, she's ostracized herself from those opportunities her whole life. She come and sees me and I give her that on the dance floor, she'll pay through the nose. You'll pay for that inclusion because I'm giving you who you want to be. You don't need to come and dance, but I'm giving you what you want the most. Easy stuff. And I figured it out and I got repeat business and my first year selling dance lessons, I think I did like $280,000 in dance lessons at a local market. And every year since I did like 400, 400 plus thousand dollars in dance lessons in a local market. It's dumb. I love it. That's really, awesome. That, That's that, marketing that right world. Yeah. Everybody's take- waiting for the sign up link. <laughs> <laughs> I Where do that. I learn to dance? Well, here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. What, the way that I got people to, the, the way that I hooked people, it was really easy because I didn't ask them to come and dance. Everybody is terrified of dancing because they have to think, oh, I don't have any rhythm or I, I can't dance with another person. It's, you know, I can't lead or follow or blah. No, no, no. I don't want you to think. I, I figured out a way to teach to where it was reactionary to your own little tick and rhythm. And we could both move in harmony across the floor. I, the, 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 the line was, the challenge was, the I dare you headline hook was to get people through the door. If you give me an hour of your time, I'll make it to where you can take anybody you want to any dance floor forever. That's it. I just need an hour. You know, that, that's all I need. You don't have to come back. I promise. If you give me one hour, you can take your missus downtown to the bar and you can dance her anytime that you want in any setting without being forced and without having to think about it. Done. We might have to, we might have to talk Steven into giving us a little uh, dance lesson here on this but, uh, but podcast. That was the whole thing. <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't try to sell functionality. I sold risk reversal. I sold risk reversal. You got nothing to lose. And I'm calling out the thing that you're most afraid of. You don't want to look like a moron in front of your significant other, or you don't want to look like a moron. If you're going out trying to pick somebody up. Okay. You give me an hour, one hour. That's all I want. I get you in the door. It's over for you. And then 
We had our groups, we had parties. We had like 160 people every single Friday night as a regular thing to come and dance. We had so many people. I was part of this like strip mall thing and there was a Thai restaurant that was in the same shopping mall and my landlord and I had to end up uh, renegotiating the lease because we had so many people on a Friday night. He couldn't even sell his pickup orders. People couldn't pull in the parking lot to pick up their food. It was ridiculous. Like I got yelled at for that. We had to renegotiate the lease. (laughs) <laughs> but, but that was what it is. It was just repeat business. And so when I came to the online world, I wasn't, okay, I got to get people to buy. I didn't understand that idea. I was waiting for the other shoe to drop when I started learning some of the online ad stuff. And I was like, are you guys really not putting all of your effort into customer retention? Like the easiest money, you know, or sorry, what is, what is the phrase that I coined a little while ago? Um, the money you've already taken in is the easiest money to make again. If you've already bought in, you've already committed to me. I'm just taking you out on another date. Give you another reason to see me again. It's easy. So my, my, all of my, my entire model is set up around that. Is giving you a reason for me to be your favorite drug dealer. That's what it is. <laughs> I love it, Stephen. So speaking of Amazon, right? We talked a little bit about how you got started in wholesale mm-hmm. and how you don't do that anymore. Um, so... Tell us what you're, where you're at on Amazon today and what you're working on. Um, I, I have multiple brands um, that are on and off of Amazon. Everything I sell on Amazon is also paralleled in a Shopify store. The biggest complaint that I have about Amazon are two of them. Number one, people over rely on it because it's easy to make money on it. Number two, Amazon says it's their customers. To Amazon, I say, you can eat me. It's not your customers. So what I'll do is I use Shopify and I send all of my traffic to Shopify. So I got the data. You're my customer first. You don't want to buy from Shopify. I'll send you to Amazon, but my marketing efforts on Amazon are separate. She is one of the cashiers in my store, but not the only game in town. So I've taken Amazon and I've used her as a tool in my system of business so that the winners that separate themselves on my Shopify store what's my products that stand above on my Shopify store. Okay, cool. Now I know to buy into those and I can send those up to Amazon because I know there's demand. Cool. That's a separate deal. She's a cashier. If you don't like my Shopify store, you abandon cart, I'll retarget you. I can send you to Amazon and use the prime buying experience and a perceived discount of $3 less than the Shopify store as a hook to get you to say, Ooh, that's a good deal. And I trust Amazon. Yeah, sure. I don't care if, you know, which cashier you buy. If you want to go through the cashier, the self-checkout, I don't care as long as you buy from me. So I pay 30 bucks a month on Shopify to run my products through there, test them, make sure they're going to Amazon, but I own all the customer data. If I'm spending money on ads, they're my customers. Screw Amazon. <laughs> and then on top of that, without having to worry about Amazon and having all the other parallel listings next to it, Now I also can bring in not only my private label stuff, but if I complement it with uh, print on demand maybe, or an info product, or I'll call up a company uh, because they've got products that are complementary to mine. I'm like, yo, can I wholesale your items on my website so that on my website, I can get higher average order values. I can give people more incentive to buy something from my website so they stay in front of me. Because... Here's the first huge golden nugget for anybody that ever listens to this podcast. You go out of business for two reasons only, oblivion and oblivion. 
If you don't know who I am, you cannot buy from me. If you forget who I am, you cannot buy from me again. Whoa. So I want to keep people in front of me. I don't want to spend money and hope I get a purchase on Amazon and my, my, my feedback whiz sends an email, but that's all the touch points I have. Forget that. When people buy from me on Shopify or on Amazon, I have things set up to where that, the idea is they've just raised their hand that they want to be part of my club. And they just, they don't know it, but they've just joined the best customer experience that, that, you know, anybody can muster. Like, that's what I want. I, I want the purchase to be like, okay, well, that's just, that, that's, you just do that. And then, you know, there's all these people that are going to enhance your interest. That's the idea. So what I do, first and foremost, with everything on Amazon, my product research is completely different from what everybody talks about for product research. And you've probably seen that in the group. Um, you know, I do loads of what's called social listening. I am a chameleon. I'm a wolf in sheep's clothing. I'm going to go in the group. I'm going to go in the niche. I'm going to find an opportunity and find what people are already doing, what they don't like, what they've tried, blah, blah, blah. And let that market shape my idea of what to bring to it as a product. Very, very different, very different process, but it's, it's worked very well so far. And I have a list of different ideas as opportunities that I just haven't put into action yet. So those are, those are coming, but one thing at a time, one thing at a time. Every time I, I deploy a new product or a new uh, tool for marketing even, I consider it um, a job interview, so to speak. How does that fit into my system? If it performs well, I'll give it more money for more inventory or more ad spend. That's the raise that the employee has earned. Does that make sense? That's a yeah, very different way to think about it, but does it fit my system? Does it fit how I want my business to run to capitalize on an opportunity versus chasing shiny objects? So Steven, what you're saying is, is that you use all the sourcing tools. Like you just go on Amazon and type in a keyword and then hit the sourcing, uh, the Chrome sourcing button to see, oh. you know, which, which target, what, what the, what, what the Chrome extension gives the, whatever the score is, Boy. if it's like a seven or an eight, then you just go out and buy like 2000 units, right? Nope. <laughs> can't do that. Can't do that. And plus, even if, even if that were, even if that were viable, if that's what everybody's doing, I don't want to do that. I don't. Thank you. Do thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's refreshing. And I think people are finally starting to wake up. Uh, Amy and I have been, have been blowing that horn for a while now about, you know, I, I we just feel so bad. We get these clients coming to us. Um, I don't know if you do any agency type stuff or, or not anymore. Yeah. So, so, but we, we, <laughs> we have people coming to us, um, that, uh, you know, every time we, every time we see them, it's, uh, you know, I, I source this product and I can't sell it. And it's Amy and I just get so frustrated, uh, because you know, that's the, that's the bill that's been sold on so many different, uh, Amazon courses and YouTube people and yeah. things like that. And it's, it's just it's heartbreaking. It. Yeah. It's I, heartbreaking. I can fix it. Yeah. I can fix it. Here's a secret that I rarely, I, and listen, for people that are on this podcast, this is a secret I rarely share. What is value? Literally, what, that's a question for you. What is value? We talk about providing value. I bought into a product that I cannot sell. You cannot sell simply because you cannot create demand in the customer's mind. You have to realize, even audit your own self. We do not buy things we need. We buy things that we want. You have to see how the person, how your audience buys into what they want. Most of the crap that we buy, 
I mean, 98% of it as, 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 a, as human beings, especially in the USA, oh my God, are because we see something in that product that reflects us or who we want to be. How many times have you seen a car or a pair of shoes or an outfit or whatever and you say, oh, I could see myself with that. Well, literally, if you went and tried it on in the Target dressing room with your, and took a picture, okay, now you can see yourself in it, but you're not doing that. You're projecting and saying, ooh, the person that I would like to become does things like that, wears things like that. And we buy into that idea. We have value for those things. So if you want to sell your products, listen to your audience first before you sell them a product. Instead of trying to sell them your idea, give them something that they want to buy from you because you understand how to link up what they desire and you're satisfying their desires like a drug habit with what you're selling. And they'll, give you your, they'll, they'll happily give you their money for it. And you know what? No one on the Amazon platform is doing that. Not even eight-figure sellers. No one does, does that. Because nobody talks about it. I'm the only one that talks about it. <laughs> That's like deep psychological literature from last century kind of stuff. Well, I would argue that you're not the only one that does it because <laughs> I'm an inventor and I have unique products on the market and I sure didn't use product sourcing tools. Oh, well, that's, that's not what I was talking about. <laughs> I, was talk I was talking about the concept of what value is. And we go, like, you, I know you do social listening. I know, I know exactly what you've done. You've done tremendous things. Um, but you can't, you can't figure out what the value is without social listening. You can't do it. Absolutely. You need to, you need to go and listen to your marketplace first and their needs and wants and desires, and then deliver a product that meets those. And it can be a product that's already, that is already on the market that you're yes. twisting in a different way. Yes. It doesn't have to be an invention from scratch every time. It. It's, you know, it's just about looking for your audience first instead of looking for a product. And so right, where people everybody, get stuck is they look for products and then they get stuck because they're like, yeah, I don't know what to agreed, do with this product. For everybody that's listening, you should pause right here, get a notebook and write down what Amy just said and sit on it for two days. Seriously. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. It was perfect because it will change the way you, you, you use Amazon versus I'm going to just do what they said and throw something at the craps table and hope it spits out money back, which is what too many people do. So let's talk about scaling. How did you scale? So you started with a few products, you did some social listening, mm -hmm. and then you talked about, um, of course, on your Shopify store, mm -hmm. how you've added some other products in to increase yeah. the buys every time and keep people at your store. Um, so is that basically your scaling strategy? And do you have some scaling tips for folks? Scaling tips. Okay. Number one, everything that Amy just said about social listening will tell you also how to scale. Because when you find something, you're not going to find just a product. You're going to get an angle, an idea on what you're going to do for people. So for me, there's so many different monetization models in e-commerce. All I did was I wrote them down. Okay. So it's like, okay, can I sell private label? Sure. Sure. Can I wholesale from complementary brands. If I'm selling a kitchen accessory and this other brand over here makes some really, really great hand towels. Yes. Complimentary. The let's, if, if that matches my brand voice, I'm not going to reinvent the wheel. I'll wholesale them out of my store. Sure. No problem. 
Um, uh, print on demand is one you can set up to where um, you can do affiliate marketing. You can do all kind of stuff. Don't do it all at once. But as far as scaling Amazon, what I do is I'll say, okay, um, I will, will run my ads, um, especially PPC, uh, sponsored product ads. And as I tune my, my campaigns, even the, even the, the initial research campaigns, on uh, under the just the automatic you know campaigns that we run versus versus the manuals, it will it will advertise against other ASINs. So if I see a complementary product being bought, okay, how can I position one of those on my own deal? Like how how can I take advantage of that people obviously are buying that? You know if I see it three or four or five times within a month of 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 you know maybe getting three hundred sales, I'm like okay wait a minute people like that. I need to pay attention to something like that. And that gets you thinking like, okay, what can I do here? How can I get it done? Can I offer that? And sometimes the scaling, you need to up your margins. So by offering different price points um, on my Shopify store, and I, like I say Shopify versus just Amazon, I'm going to come back to Amazon only because they're not distracted with all the other listings of the same item type. I can have the other people, other things people bought like right there on the product page. So now let's say I have a $40 bar accessory and I also have, I don't know, $25 t-shirts or something else, but I'm giving free shipping on, on orders over 60 bucks. Ooh, ooh, okay. Well now what I've done is I have a higher AOV. I have more money coming in. I can put that into higher ad spend on Amazon if I want, or other products that can go to Amazon. And here's the re here's probably the biggest reason that I use Shopify the way that I do for Amazon, and it's payouts. Shopify, I get paid every day or every other day, right? Amazon, you get paid every two weeks. How the hell are you going to sp- scale your ad spend doing that? How are you going to do that? How, you, how are you going to all of a sudden need to reorder inventory or go deep on, on, on running some serious sales because you caught a vein and everybody wants what you have on Amazon? I'm not going to wait two weeks or take a loan out and try to, you know, float a few thousand dollars or tens of thousands of dollars to order more inventory. No, I have my money no. coming in from Amazon and then I have a lot of little money coming in over here from Shopify. And this helps to filter that off I go. And I put the money where it's going to give me the most return. So I always wait opportunity cost. Do I scale into another product on Shopify? Do I scale my ad spend on Amazon? Do I open the next brand that I want to do? Which direction do we go with the money we have? And I completely agree that you should not just be on Amazon. You should definitely have your own website. You should definitely be thinking about external traffic. Andy and I are always talking about that. Yeah. Um, but I do have to ask you, why Shopify? There are many web platforms. Why Shopify? Why Shopify? Um, you can tie things together on WordPress and WooCommerce. And I, I use WordPress quite a bit with a lot of my domains. Um, honestly, I got into Shopify because there are a few apps that I use on Shopify that integrate so flawlessly that I, I, I'm like, no, 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 no. Just, just leave that alone. Don't mess with it. One of the apps is Looks, L-O-O-X, right? It's 10 bucks a month. And anybody that buys your product on uh, Shopify, you can incentivize them and it will send a follow-up email with a link in it. Hey, we'll give you XYZ if you leave a photo review for us. 
and they just hit leave it in the link. They take a picture with their cell phone, they leave a little review, off they go. It arranges it as a gallery on the product page. And now Very I can, cool. and now I can use those photo reviews as part of my ads. Easy, easy, easy. And it's I just I set it up. It's a flow. It does it automatically. People post. It goes to my wall. I wake up to new things on my product page because they reviewed it. It's the easiest thing in the world. Easiest ten bucks in the world. Um, works on Shopify. I started my first store on that, and it was a huge. It was a gigantic boon for me because all of my retargeting ads then. I could show other people that my audience could identify with. There's that, there's that word again. Um, that could, uh, you know, they could relate to us. Oh, well, they've already bought the product. I don't have to be the first person to make a decision. I take that, I take that risk away from them by showing them other people that have already been in their shoes and they love it. And there's customer service and blah, blah, blah. So it's, it's easy to do. It's an automation. I don't have to chase or hire someone to do for me. It just yeah. doesn't. And it's so helping to establish rapport with your customer as well as your authority in the space, which is important for sales. So yeah. let's talk about some marketing hats. You just talked about, um, you just talked about some sponsored product ads and how you do product targeting. Andy and I are always surprised at how many people don't do product targeting. We're just like, ah, oh, you're killing it. Like, come on, do it. It's great. So uh, we love that you do that. And what is your ad strategy for your Shopify store? Can you kind of break that down for us? Oh God, that's a huge conversation. <laughs> okay. Um, I have, so for me, I don't think, well, well this, let me back up. For me, it, you're, there's a difference between selling a product and owning a business, like an e-com business. If you're a product seller, you don't have a system in place, right? And one of the biggest things that I've figured out in my system that I've set up is what's called risk mitigation. I want to be as least exposed to the possibility of being wiped out or volatility as possible. Okay. Uh, because I've been wiped out twice. I had to reset to zero twice, right? Just what happened, but by putting all my eggs in one basket and it went bye-bye, it was bad, had to restart. So, um, First thing I do with my Shopify stores, um, before I even have all that moving, uh, I build social presences like Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, uh, a YouTube, a podcast, whatever it is, I, I create a war chest of content and a war chest of email flows for the people that are welcome, for the people that abandon cart versus the people that... Um, bought my deal of the day versus the people that bought a specific product. Those are all separate flows. So I got to say, okay, here's the flows. And then, okay, after a certain time, they all funnel into my just evergreen content on email. But I also have all that stuff ready to go for my socials. So I can just deploy it as I go along. It takes me about a month and a half or so to really get everything together, ready to go for a new brand on all of those. But I can very quickly generate gigantic uh, organic audiences. So when we have stuff happen, like recently when Facebook gets shut down for a day and that volatility roller coaster, I'm like, okay. And I also have multiple sources of paid traffic. So when Facebook took a dump on me this last week, I'm like, okay, I'm just shut the ads down. And I have Google search ads running and Google shopping ads running. <laughs> right. I have, um, oh God, there are other sources. I have 18 total sources of traffic 
uh, for each of my brands running at all times. And 11 of those are organic. So maybe, maybe paid doesn't work on X channel versus Y channel. Cool. I can kill those for the day. Um, you know, so we keep the profitability up and I have stuff coming from over here. So if like, if all of it gets shut down on the paid side, I still have something coming in over here. It's not a big deal. Maybe it's less than what I would have otherwise, but I'm not done. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I have. So, so, so Stephen, what you're saying is you, you sell, uh, you, you, you sell um, CBD stuff and, uh, <laughs> and herbs and, and, and special uh, male enhancement herbs. Because uh, oh if you're getting banned, it sounds like there's some sketchy things going on. No, just kidding. Thanks for tuning in to part one of this episode. Join us every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for live Q&A and bonus content after the recording at sellerroundtable.com. Sponsored by the ultimate software tool for Amazon sales and growth, sellerseo.com and amazingathome.com.